0: And welcome back to A return episode of Oh God, it hurts
1: (laughs) Oh God, it finally hurts Uh, It's been a while It's so
0: good Come on baby, make it hurt so good Episode 31 I, the Six Butt Samurai A.K.A. JJJ Have returned Alongside my not-so-wookie life companion game agent et how are you eddie
1: i i'm doing okay be, besides not being a wookie i'm not tall enough i you're I, not I, I i i wish i could be a baller
0: i wish you were a but, little bit taller yeah <laughs> i wish i had a girl i would call her <laughs> wish i had a rabbit with a hat and a bat so yep. now that we've alienated everybody with yet another <laughs> painfully dated hip hop reference, <laughs> one last ski love.
1: Sorry. We're, we're a little good. out of it. Yeah. How long has it been? Like a month
0: or so? We're a little out of practice. We're a little yeah. sloppy. Um, yeah, I got, take my share of the blame.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, we got to warm up. So please, please forgive us.
0: Sorry. Sorry <laughs> in advance. But this is your favorite podcast, anyway. So, it is.
1: so you're gonna forgive us, anyways. Yep. Um,
0: Just gonna come back. Yeah. You're under under our thumb. Yeah.
1: Under my thumb. But it's good to be back. Good to be in your ears yeah. again. And uh, indeed. Yeah, a lot of good things to look forward to, right? I mean, well, at mm-hmm. least if you like Sony or. Nintendo, like uh, Tears of the Kingdom, yeah. Final Fantasy 16, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, we are going to talk about the kind of unholy monster of summer gaming that is in front of us, but before we get into the games of summer, we're going to talk about some news tidbits. It's not really the water cooler anymore, but it is our water cooler moment, so here we go um there's a lot of eyes on xbox right now and not for good reason for kind of what is happening here reasons um i think there's three stories of interest that are just beginning to paint the picture of like well what's happening with this platform um the very big thing that sort of put people in this frame of mind regarding xbox series x and s is the fact that redfall which is was another sort of ballyhooed like hey it's an xbox exclusive that's exciting for there are not that many of them uh news drop that when it actually launches it's going to be a first person shooter on a next gen console that plays at 30 frames a second albeit with the news that it's getting a 60 frame patch but it's definitely not the kind of thing that would inspire a lot of hope for the platform at this point
1: well i mean um, I think a lot of people would agree that why would I want to play a game at 30 frames a second and then it's going to be 60 frames a second later? Why would I subject myself to that? That doesn't really make a lot of sense because, I mean, 30 frames a second to 60 frames, you'd have a lot of timing issues, wouldn't you? Like, when you're playing Um, and...
0: You know, the thing is, like... If you feel a game running it either The fact is 60 frames per second Just feels better And there are still some games That come out At 30 frames per second I'm looking at you Kirby in the Forgotten Land Yeah, But like That one still plays alright um, With a first person shooter Specifically Especially in a time where A lot of people Want even greater frame rates like our own buddy Hoptimus talks specifically about how much he enjoys games on Xbox Series X that run at 120 FPS yeah so it's strange and I really like it's just a very strange thing to take a loss and granted it's a perceptual loss but if you have a game that's only going to run at 30 FPS when it drops and then 60 later, why wouldn't you just delay it all together until because the point where it can run at 60? But they, I think that's yeah. it reveals what kind of pressure they're feeling right now as far as like getting something exclusive out the door. Yeah. Um Exactly. That's what
1: it is. It's just, I mean, we we're mentioning Sony having a uh, Final Fantasy 16, Nintendo having Tears of the Kingdom, and those are huge hitters. And Microsoft, they want in on that party, but they kind of fell way behind with Starfield and Redfall being delayed. And right. I guess they had to come up with something because they I guess they were looking at what they have so far and yeah it it's a tough decision and quite personally when it comes to something like this like I would just wait because a lot of people are already saying no nah, I'm not going to play it until they fix it <laughs> and right it's just going to make um, Microsoft looked worse. I mean, right? What 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 do you think? Do you think it looks bad now, or would you think it would have <laughs> looked worse if they said, "Oh, we're gonna delay it again until fall"?
0: What I do you think? just, I, I look at them. You know, you've also got Ghostwire Tokyo coming out as a game that w- arrived initially on PS5. Mm-hmm. It also had a litany of technical problems. Um I, I
1: heard that many of uh, which those... got
0: fixed. They got yeah, fixed really? over time. Okay. But essentially the game also landed on Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's got like a very puzzling number of graphical modes, but like it's not really optimized in any sort of rock solid fashion. Mm-hmm. Um And the thing is, like, Ghostwire Tokyo coming from Tango Gameworks it's even more puzzling in light of the fact that Hi-Fi Rush arrived on Xbox in really beautiful, polished fashion. Yeah. And that's another leg of this, well, what the hell's going on with Xbox story? Because... Someone initially made a comment that like, oh, Hi-Fi Rush didn't really sell so well. And then I think a lot of people that are Game Pass subscribers that, I mean, I know I downloaded it, like maybe the second or third day it arrived because it was a complete and total surprise launch. Um, but at the same time, like... That was a legitimate, like, oh, man, like, I am glad I own this console moment because it's a really cool game. It's not a perfect game by any means. It's got some sort of, it's got a few design flaws that I've talked about before that, like, there's a little bit of a lack of cohesion between, like, the levels and the enemy placement that I wish had a slightly more organic feeling, you know, because it's basically, like, It kind of does the Bayonetta thing where, like, when you enter a new area and, like, it's a very sort of scripted moment where, like, all of the bad guys hop out and do specific things. I realize that, like, that's sort of the cinematic nature of those games, you know. Yeah. It
1: probably (laughs) needs to be a little bit more of a controlled environment because I heard it's kind of... A little bit rhythm-based, am I right? Because of the uh, attacks, Uh, you do it with the uh, rhythm of the song that's playing.
0: Yeah, that is true, but I still still just wish that, like, you know, you you think about, like, a good classic action platform game, like Castlevania or something of that ilk, where, like, the levels and the enemies inhabiting the level really felt, like, as one. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the sort of thing that's just like a little bit missing from Hi-Fi Rush. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. but, I think, yeah. you know, between the sort of giant clusterfuck that I think most people would agree Halo Infinite became. Um, yeah. Optimus, letting that uh, fan base down <laughs> to a large yeah. degree, you know, for a game that, you know, most people, I think, if you asked anybody, like, what's the Xbox mascot? Like, what's what's the the thing for that? Most people would still say Master Chief, right? Yeah. It's I their know. exclusive. It's the thing they own. Um, so I think that really kind of taken a shit. And then these strange issues were like you know, of course, Hi-Fi Rush was never going to sell a ton. Number one, it's a brand new IP, mm-hmm. which is always a challenge from the drop. You know, something that isn't known tends to not sell as well as something that is known. And that's not it, it even across <laughs> books, movies. Right. It was ghost dropped. Literally like, hey, there's another game from this company and it's out now sort of thing. Yeah. And like... That was kind of exciting because there had been so little that was, you know, exclusive to Xbox. Um, exactly.
1: I I agree with that. Yeah, it definitely uh, just... It was exciting for the people who knew. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if they advertised it in their own console, you know what I mean? Like where yeah. you would have a splash page every time you boot up like a marketplace or something like that. I don't know if Hi-Fi Rush was headlining uh, that marketplace.
0: Uh, I mean, you, you I, you tell I me, remember, but, like, booting up into Xbox, mm-hmm. you know, there's not much of a, there's not much of a line between, like, you know, what we initially knew of as, like, the live dashboard and, like, just being on the system dashboard itself. Like, those things are super integrated these days, as they are across all platforms. But, yeah. It was pretty prominent, but by the same token, like when you're a thing no one's ever heard of, most people are gonna go, "Oh, what's that?" You know. Yeah, and it, it's <laughs> hard to entice someone
1: if you just have like a static image and saying, "Like, hey, this is a new game," but uh, right, you would have to show ads, show movies, get get on uh, social media, and just pump up the volume on that game. And right. the only way I heard about it was through other people playing it and saying how good it was. And had they had not done that, I wouldn't have heard it from it from Microsoft themselves because, yeah, they never really
0: said anything about it. Just, I agree. Yeah. But, but uh So, you know, between... Someone at Microsoft commenting that, oh, Hi-Fi Rush just didn't sell enough to sort of warrant its existence kind of thing. And then somebody else at Microsoft, like, power walking that back, like, oh, no, like, we know it was a Game p- Pass exclusive. And, like, you know, the sales were never going to be the thing for it. We just thought it was a great game, yada, yada. Like, it really just does make you wonder, like, yeah. what on earth is happening over there? What, what, and, well, Well, and like...
1: Uh, yeah. I mean another thing is wasn't this like a Game Pass game?
0: It was. See? So I mean there was no incentive for most people to buy it. Yeah. Cuz you and- assume like most of that audience, people that are on Xbox on a regular basis right now. Yeah. And I don't know what the statistics are, but I would be willing to wager that a solid majority of them probably are Game Pass subscribers.
1: Yeah. So that cannibalizes your sales figures. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, yeah, you can have it for free. Or you can buy it. For
0: free! For free!
1: (laughs) But you can also buy it. But this is the type of game where it's like, once you beat it, you've seen most of what it has to offer. And the replay value is probably not there anymore. So why would you end up buying it unless you really, 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 really like it?
0: Right. So, I mean, that, it's, got I some fair, it's got some fair legs with, like, after game. Like, th- yeah. it sort of shifts into kind of a game-plus mode where it's like, okay, you can then explore the stages at your leisure, which you can't during the initial campaign. So that's cool. I mean, yeah. some of those stages are really, really cool and worth revisiting. Yeah, There's also a lot of different stuff to find because there's, like, this really big... Um, Mural in the team's headquarters that you're like finding pieces of. So there's some incentive if you want to be a completist about it, or you know, beat it at greater difficulty. Uh, achievements, which, yeah, chivos, yeah,
1: yeah. But um, but generally, I think Game Pass in itself that may be another cause of Microsoft going through tough times because now anytime you offer a service like that where it's like oh well you can traditionally buy games or you can subscribe to our game pass and these games are part of the game pass so it's conditioning you to just get the game pass and play all as many of these games as you can that are in that library and now you're kind of saying, well, why would I want to pay for a game when I just subscribe to it and just get my jollies off it and then go to the next game? Why would I ever pay full price for a game anymore? And I think that's why uh, Sony and Nintendo were like, "Uh, yeah, that's that's you, buddy. I mean, sure, that sounds great and all, but it's going to really kill your ability to have any sort of substantial sales that right people are always going to be expecting is it going to be on game pass is it going to be on game pass instead of like right hey tears of the kingdom cool how much
0: (laughs) right yeah i mean obviously nintendo and sony have taken very different approaches to having an answer this i think sony feels more pressure and you can definitely see that in the form of the different playstation plus subscription packages um but by the same token like anything that's like a monster triple a whatever you do not get those on launch day as it should be on PlayStation.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should be able to get stuff that maybe has been out for a while, right? Like they kind of did initially with their yeah. uh, normal subscription. Uh, you mm-hmm. would get these games every month if you were if you have the subscription. Download it. You can keep it for as long as you want. Right, uh, but they're not the games that just came out yesterday, like literally yesterday, <laughs> these are games yeah. that have been out for, you know, at least six months and people had their fun and the sales are declining. So, hey, why don't we just, uh, if you're a subscriber to our service, then yeah, why don't you have these? And that makes a lot more sense. And see, Microsoft, I, I don't know what they're doing. I, I think they're actually, they're getting desperate <laughs> Well, they 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 were pretty desperate with Game Pass. I mean, it sounds like a sweet deal, but at the same time, you have to worry that it could lead to a lot of cheapening the uh the market altogether. I mean, I if you ever you know having a smartphone, you you would see a lot of people complain about God that game's five dollars, dude. I'm not gonna buy it unless it's two dollars. Right. You're always gonna lower the bar more and more, and then people are just gonna say, like, finally, um, if it's not on Game Pass, I'm not gonna buy it. Anything I get is gonna be on Game Pass. I'm gonna ignore everything else, and that's that's the funeral that you're making for yourself. I I don't know. I Yeah, that's I mean, what it's... I was always worried about. <laughs> I was always worried about Game Pass. That's just me, but Well
0: it's yeah, you were. Um, and it's an interesting conundrum for Microsoft now because they took an absolute beating last generation. They're taking a serious beating now. I mean, PlayStation 5's install base, yeah, is just growing like mad. And oh, you especially can't in say Japan,
1: that. I saw the right. figures like where uh, PS Five is. Tripling in sales, like I think it's like maybe uh, eighty thousand units a month, maybe, and then the Xbox Series only like less than two hundred. So,
0: yeah, just and like, I mean that doesn't you know that doesn't surprise me at all in Japan in particular because there's just never been there's never been a base of support there. There's never really been a reason. Well, for there to be a base of support there, because there's but, never been those kinds of exclusives that that market cares about.
1: I mean, and, and they should make efforts, but they don't. I mean, it's not to say that anything that's not Japanese in Japan is not going to be successful. I mean, the iPhone's super successful.
0: Yeah, but I mean that's also yeah. that's also a very different thing. It is, but it. <laughs>
1: but i'm just saying they if they focused on the japanese market a lot more it probably would be a better outcome but
0: yeah i don't know i mean i don't know if that would play into like additional studio acquisitions on their behalf i mean yeah i you mean you know the the funny the funny thing about the whole you know act blizz merger nonsense is that uh, number 1 PlayStation are being massive trolls about that. Yeah. Number 2 I think in the eyes of like the justice department or regulators those people are more likely to view Microsoft through the lens of like giant Windows monopoly. Much more so than, like, the actual threat they they possess to gaming. Looking Um, at, yeah, the the past history. Yeah. Right. So it's more like they're paying for their sins in that arena than any sort of real threat that they pose, I would say, to consoles specifically.
1: Yeah, because Um, (laughs) uh, I think, at least in Japan... Call of Duty doesn't have nearly as much of a foothold as uh, Apex Legends does.
0: Yeah, I mean, and... FPS games in general there are just not...
1: No, no, no. Don't be th- don't be surprised, but Apex Legends is actually super popular right now.
0: Yeah. But Call of Duty... What do people there primarily
1: play that on? Um, They play it on PS5. PS4, okay. PS5. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You can see a lot of Twitch streams on it. You see a lot of celebrities play it. Um, So it's like
0: another sort of free-to-play kind of thing, right?
1: Yeah. And uh, it's not under any of uh, Microsoft's uh, umbrella companies. So uh, that's why uh, I don't know. I I just think that uh, the FPS genre is actually taking off in Japan but hmm. just different ones that you wouldn't expect like i said call of duty just not big here uh, yeah. i'm sure it's a great game but i think
0: are you with, sure it's a great game
1: <laughs> i don't know I, I never played it but yeah. apex legends it's a little it's got a little bit of anime style in it you know i mean it's still very western but the the character design you know, it really appeals to Japanese players, and the the action is definitely fun for them. Uh, there's also Dead by Daylight, which is kind of a cult-following type of title here. A lot of people play that, and also Overwatch 2. And of course, Overwatch is very, very inspired by Street Fighter designs. They have admitted that in the past, so... of course. That, that game's still quite popular here, so... Yeah. But it all comes down to just... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you want to appeal to Western audiences, but, I mean, if you're not doing anything on the Japanese front, that's why the titles are staying with Sony, like Final Fantasy. And not only that, just the pride thing. Like, uh, a lot of Japanese companies don't want to get absorbed like uh, Activision and Blizzard did. If they're going to get absorbed, they're probably going to stick with the Japanese company to absorb them. I don't know, that's just what I think. But but Microsoft has a lot of thinking to do, a lot of replanning. And I just hope that, just going back to Game Pass, I just hope that doesn't take off, to be honest. Because the last thing I want to see is uh, gaming becoming like... How cheap can I get it? Instead of how good is this game? I don't want it to right. devolve into that. So that's just I can see going. that. Yeah,
0: yeah. But. Um. So, in more interesting, not really surprising news. Um. Yeah. And it, note here, it is not actually opened yet where you are, but I know you've got your ticket. Yes, I um. do. <laughs> The Super Mario Brothers movie has broken a billion dollars at the box office globally. Has it already? Um, Yes, it has. Wow, that's awesome. Um, And I think at one point it was like the number one film in like 20 different countries. Yeah. Um,
1: And at the time of this recording, it's not out yet in Japan, but it will be out on Friday. And
0: yes, I,
1: I have my ticket. (laughs)
0: So, yeah, I mean, for now, we'll kind of sidestep the what did we love about it thing, because you haven't seen it yet. I have seen it, but I'm going to hold that opinion um, for the next episode. Teaser, teaser, teaser. Um, But just in terms of industry relevance as like an entertainment property. It opens up a lot of questions with regard to Nintendo's existing franchises and what the potential for some of those things is to manifest in the form of more movies or TV shows or whatever. Um, what do you think about some of the other prospects with this front? Like, what, what intrigues you? Like, if you had your druthers, what's the next thing that you would see manifest in the form Mm. of a movie or TV show from Nintendo.
1: I'll tell you what I don't want to see, and that's uh, uh, Donkey Kong because of Seth Rogen not really being into (laughs) actually being anything but Seth Rogen playing Donkey Kong. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry, man. I mean, it's one thing to say, like, yeah, I'm just going to be myself, and that's how it is if you're going to hire me. Yeah, hire me. All I'm going to say is that... yeah.
0: I think you're thinking about all the news stories that you've read mm-hmm. and you have not seen the movie yet. I have not, but I don't think his performance poses any problems for that movie whatsoever. And I'll okay. leave it at that. Okay. I, I so, won't go hard on that.
1: But, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, what I do want to see, um, I'd like to see Luigi's mansion. That could be fun because it's, I I don't know the, uh, how the uh, actor who played a Luigi did in the movie, but I always felt that Luigi's mansion was a very uh, engaging type of storyline. It has its own set of characters and it's also just, it could be a very interesting like Halloween type of movie that could be a fan favorite for, uh, especially for younger audiences uh, I'd like sure. to see that. Um, I know Shigeru Miyamoto. What he wants is a Pikmin movie, because he's talked about it before. I mean, when he did those Pikmin shorts on 3ds. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can still get them now, but I mean, you they can were watch them on YouTube. Yeah, you can watch them on YouTube. I I think they were free on 3ds, so you can download them still, even though the marketplace is closed. But, um. He always talked about how he wanted to make a full feature movie based on mm-hmm. Pikmin. So that'd be interesting to watch. Um finally, maybe a punch-out movie.
0: <laughs> that would be fun. I believe that was called Rocky, sir. Well, <laughs> but,
1: but but was Rocky like super short? <laughs> I mean
0: I mean it's I think he I know, was but... relatively undersized. I mean, it's it's more about like the lens of seeing him as the underdog. Yeah. Versus, you know, pretty much everybody that he had to fight in like those first four movies.
1: Well I I guess if anything, it'd be more
0: about the uh the opponents
1: <laughs> who are yeah. very, very unique in looks and things like that. It'd be
0: kind I mean, of mean, everything's to watch. better than Captain N, right? Oh god.
1: Are you talking about uh King Hippo the blue version King Hippo with the uh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh god. I don't and know the why mother they made brain blue thing. It. Yeah. <laughs> and Simon Belmont being a narcissist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is I awesome. know even Belmont. <laughs> right, and he's got like it was weird cuz he looked oddly related to the version of Egon that they created for the real ghostbusters.
1: Oh yeah, with the hair.
0: A <laughs> yeah, little squiggly. Yeah. He had like that big like blonde bouffant and then yeah. like tan skin. Yeah. Like they were both like proto-trumpian. God.
1: <laughs> and yet I still watched that cartoon religiously because it because it was Nintendo. Exactly. <laughs> and I would still watch it. Because uh-huh. it's Nintendo, but...
0: um, How about you? I gotta say, like, I... What? The tricky thing here is that, like, I don't like any of the other stuff that Illumination makes mm-hmm. that didn't apply to my viewing experience of the Super Mario Bros. movie, because I can only imagine... How intense Nintendo was about the notes <laughs> for approving everything. Like, I don't know what that process looked like, but I can only imagine after, you know, the demons in Nintendo's closet from the <laughs> live action 1993 <laughs> Super Mario Brothers film. Oh,
1: yeah. Probably oh, yes. weighed
0: very heavily <laughs> on the minds of Shigzy and friends. Working oh, on this.
1: That's the last thing they wanted to ex- experience. Right. And I guess that's why they went to Illumination to yeah. have this because of the huge success they had with Minions. But yeah, I got
0: to wonder though, like, even though it's made this unbelievable duck truck of money and, you know, virtually ensures that there will at least be, I would say, a sequel to the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see The Legend of Zelda realized, but I really want to see it realized somewhere else. I wouldn't want Illumination to be the ones that work on that because I don't think I've ever seen them turn out anything that had more of like a sort of serious or fantasy tone to it. Um Yeah. So I don't think they'd be the ones to work on that. And obviously, like it's hard to see Nintendo and Disney working out a deal that would allow Pixar to work on something like that. Even though I think they'd be the natural ones for it. Um who yeah. knows? Like maybe I'm Nintendo sorry. makes maybe Nintendo makes this fortress of money and then is like, well, we did these Pikmin shorts in-house, you know we can basically go in-house with this i'm sure that with this pacific project it probably had more to do about like not taking on all the risks themselves as square found out the hard way with their final fantasy uh, feature
1: what was, that, what was, that, what was that movie called again
0: the spirits within oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, I remember I, I didn't watch it but I remember a lot
1: of people were so disappointed with that movie
0: yeah I mean and it, it, cost you know, it was such a, a street <laughs> it cost a well, lot I mean, right the funny yeah uh, they really broke the bank on it because you have to remember at that time Square is making a ton of money on yeah. their PlayStation 1 and 2 offerings. Like, just hand over fist. Things are going very well. And so, like, their appetite for what else can we do just began to grow, like, exponentially. Because, you know, they're publishing all of this stuff on on CD. Like, they're selling a bazillion soundtracks in Japan at much higher than we're accustomed to Japanese prices for CDs and art books and all of that stuff. Um so yeah, like it sounds like such a crazy thing now, but basically like they had this studio in Hawaii. Um because the idea was, well, that's like the natural place for like executives and other talents to come in from America and meet up with you know, the Japanese crew working on this, but like You think about the cost of running an animation studio in Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. One of the highest Uh, costs, uh, uh, places,
1: uh, yeah. The cost of living one of the highest.
0: Yeah. It's very expensive. Um, so who knows, like, who knows how all of that's going to begin to wash out? I mean, my top two things are fairly pedestrian fanboy choices. I mean, I would love to see a legend of Zelda movie. That would also be a really complex thing because I think from something like that, like, oof, like, which story would you choose? You know what I mean? Um, or do you just sort of come up with like the new version of the thing that encompasses all the beats that people expect from Zelda, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, and when you think of illumination, you always think of comedy. Right. And yeah, like Pixar would be capable of doing like more serious toned right. animation, and exactly, their craft is
0: quite dead on. Or maybe they, even, I mean, DreamWorks made the How to Train Your Dragon movies, and if anything had a similar kind of tone to Zelda, yeah, the How to Train Your Dragon movies are not that far removed, I would say. Hmm. Um. But who knows? Like, Legend of Zelda is definitely the obvious thing, but I don't see Illumination being the ones to do that for them. Um, if definitely I don't make druthers, it comedic, yeah, don't don't make it right. comedic. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see a streaming series about Metroid.
1: Yeah, I'd yeah, be that, very that into that episodic. Kinda yeah. like the Mandalorian, I would think.
0: Yeah, but like Kinda maybe have... every season is the story that encompasses one of the games. Yeah, that would be excellent. To be honest, yeah, um, that would. Because be... I just think about like think about that that sh- that property visually, like mm-hmm. that could really lend itself well to like some, you know. Uh, a disciplined production, yeah. you know, a little bit of indie filmmaking, kind of dark and grimy. Um, I could see it and it could be really, really cool in the right but, hands.
1: By so. the by, wasn't The Legend of Zelda rumored to be a Netflix series and then it got canceled?
0: It was. For a hot minute, it absolutely was. Huh. But like as live action, And I would have to think that after the Super Mario Brothers movie landed this way, they're probably going to be thinking more in the realm of animation, I would say. Especially given how much easier that makes for localization.
1: Yeah, because Netflix, I don't know, they've been, I don't know how hit or miss they are with uh, live adaptations, but I know Cowboy Bebop wasn't well received. Oof!
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> to say the and least. I was, and, and they were having uh, other. I mean, it's anime, but what, weren't they going to bring out like a One Piece live action series? At I one think point? I
0: heard something about that, but I didn't. I didn't lock into it.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, they're starting to learn their lesson that eh, uh, maybe we should stick with animation or at least 3D uh, animated shorts or series uh, for I don't know about anime but for video games that could work pretty well yeah who knows but that that's that's a good I would I would totally be on board for our Metroid series yeah definitely so I would too,
0: because I think there's enough lore there. There's enough lore there that we know, but I think there's also enough potential for a writer, especially somebody good that really understands sci fi and becomes knowledgeable about that universe to sort of iterate and create some other things. Because, like, especially with the stories that are specific to uh, Metric Prime, like, Oh, yeah. There's a I lot mean, of potential fuel there for that. So,
1: if you want to have a great example, look no further than the Castlevania series on Netflix. I saw yeah. the first two seasons, and that's some excellent storytelling right there. Yeah. And they could easily do that with Metroid.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Or Legend of Zelda. Ah. <sighs> So we're going to do our due diligence right now and take a break during which you will hear from a variety of our storytelling partners here on the Ruminations Radio Network. More Oh God, It Hurts in a minute. Stay tuned. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile History Fit, one of the podcasts on the
1: Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile History Fit find us and all the great shows over on com. and we're back Woo. yay so um, <laughs> uh, as you mentioned uh a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline right
0: yes uh, indeed uh, that um, includes it's a pretty us.
1: enormous summer that includes street fighter 6 yeah did you see that showcase <sighs> yes what'd you think buddy
0: Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting that like street fighter has tried a lot of things now since what I would argue is like the original heyday for the series. Like if you think about the time between when SF two initially landed in 1991, and then with the arrival of Street Fighter III, Third Strike in 1999, like those titles are very, very tightly interconnected. Yep. And then Street Fighter four came out. It was a revival. A lot of people were very happy with it. Still, quite a few. Crazy old knuckleheads that continued to play Third Strike and Super Turbo still are, and some um, still play
1: Ultra Street Fighter Four.
0: <laughs> some do as well. This is also true. Yep. Um, you know, every entry in the series seems to develop some sort of audience that just gets stuck on that, and, like kind of doesn't want to move on. Um, then you had Street Fighter Five show up. And I think a lot of players did not see themselves or their love for Street Fighter reflected in that product. That um, is quite true. <laughs> it was not inclusive. I the, <laughs> no, I mean, I think the, the emphasis on eSports, the kind of haphazard way in which it arrived with very little content in tow, um... Difficulty playing online. Yeah. I mean, a variety of things. Technical and just, you know, lacking content otherwise. Even
1: pros weren't happy. Right. Because of the, uh, I don't know if it was input lag or whatnot, but I remember that a lot of people were saying that, um, why is it a little bit more like when I stick out a move, it comes out way later than previous titles? Yeah, yeah. Even Street Fighter. No, yeah,
0: I mean, and you know, thankfully there was a change of leadership over that project. Yep, and a younger, fresher team basically got to really kind of sow their oats and churn out some very interesting last couple seasons of Street Fighter Five. And yeah. so I think, thankfully, SF Six is really becoming the beneficiary. Of that time spent but the fantastic thing is you follow the producer on Twitter that guy fundamentally understands like just how important SF2 is to the franchise overall he knows that it's absolutely the cornerstone of all things Street Fighter even though there's been many games since uh it's still to a large degree framed by that phenomenon and what it meant to players around the world. So I think they're doing an incredible job with this project, um, appealing to the old heads and really, you know, wanting them to come back into the fold, but still offering a lot of stuff that's going to appeal much more to your Gen Z gamers or your um, Fortnite folks, you know, yeah. with the um, uh, all the different modes that are popping, you know, getting really into avatar design. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I wonder, because it's a lot of features for a single game.
1: Like, oh, it's very yeah. extensive.
0: It, it's and it's, it's <laughs>
1: to the point where it's revolutionary. I mean, a lot of people are gushing about things like the tutorial mode being one of the most uh I guess uh it explains pretty much everything to a T. Um I remember the last time I played a game like that, uh it was Virtual Fighter 4 on PS2, where it had such an in-depth uh tutorial mode. Yeah, it explained everything. Everything's it's just crystal clear. And if you spent a good amount of time on it, you would see your game like literally be elevated after uh, hours of playing it. It just taught you so much more than just like if you're just to sit down and just play the game as is. And, you know, you can still have fun that way. But yeah. if you wanted to get better at that game, the game. Had a lot of resources to allow you to get better Virtual Fighter Four, uh, mm-hmm. but with uh, Street Fighter Six, seeing that, um, that's excellent. And also, um, there are many modes that are fun for casual play, but there are some other modes that a lot of people are gushing about as well. Like uh, there's a mode where you play against another person, and you have it's goal based. So it's like mm-hmm. uh, you have to do drive impact like for, I don't know, two seconds. And you have to attack in the air twice, things like that. A lot of people are saying, yeah, this is actually a good way to train. Because the yeah. game kind of gives you directions on, okay, you're not going to win unless you do this specific thing. And it makes you focus on those things. And then this, in turn, gives you that kind of real world practice to say okay if i want to be able to jump on my opponent i'm gonna have to learn how to bait them by either trying to stick out something on the ground and giving me that opportunity to jump at them or freezing them so they don't they they're kind of not able to anti-air you if they jump like if you have either the correct spacing or you're in their head so it gives people so much more incentive to play that mode to kind of use it as a training tool to... Well, not only that, it's fun. Right. It it contrasts to just playing it normally. So, Mm -hmm. so many options and a lot of love, too. I mean, have you seen so uh, the the tweets on how many uh, other games that are outside of Street Fighter that it references?
0: I know too many.
1: I know that (laughs) Final Fight Two, Carlos is in the game. People were going crazy (laughs) for that. Yeah, he's in the World Tour mode, I guess. And uh, there's even references to like Plasma Sword, and even references to God Hand, like the Poison Chihuahua. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. on a little sign that's on the door of a of a (laughs) shop, and people are like, "Oh my god." Scott and reference yeah <laughs> it's amazing it's like a huge love letter and people yeah. who care about not only street fighter but capcom in general they're making this game they're making it fun they're making it just it's an environment where you can just enjoy being a capcom fan and that's so exciting to see and i I'm desperately trying to find ways to get a PlayStation 5 to play this game. <laughs> yeah, man. It's amazing. You should. I, I, uh-huh. and com- contrast this to when Street Fighter Five came out, where a lot of vitriol w- w- was abundant online yeah. because of the lack of features, the uh, bare bones uh, state that the game was in yeah there's no complaints about that this time around and it's not even out yet and you can play the demo now and yeah people are having so much fun and it's great it it's just great to see as a fan of street fighter and a capcom fan it's great to see Uh, how about you what do you think
0: no um i i am similarly bullish about it um I haven't spent as much time as I would like in the tutorial modes yet, but it really seems to have its shit together in a way that, you know, inspires a lot of confidence that this is going to be a game that's definitely going to have legs for a considerable amount of time. And, you know... The fighting game scene needs Street Fighter.
1: It oh, really they does. definitely do.
0: Um, yeah, without Street um, Fighter,
1: it's gonna be tough to to move on. Like, I'm actually afraid of arcades here in Japan because Street Fighter Six is the only one that's confirmed gonna that uh, it's gonna be in arcades here. Tekken yeah. Eight, we don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. King of Fighters Fifteen, it hasn't been in arcades yet. We don't know yeah. if it ever will be. Right, so it's up to Capcom right now. They're I don't know, but yeah, I trust them. I, I hope with their success, <laughs> other companies will follow suit. But
0: yeah, agreed. But um, um, but besides SF6, which is of course an enormous deal, yeah, um, there are a lot of really good games yeah (laughs) that are are slated to come out in the next couple months i mean what's the thing that at this point you're the most looking forward to ed of course tears of the kingdom man like yeah i don't
1: know about you but i think uh geez i might have almost reached 200 hours on breath of the wild alone wow And and you
0: didn't and that's not even counting the dlc right no, that's not the DLC I
1: have. I stopped to play (laughs) through that and I I do want to play through that, but um, yeah, it's just that enveloping of a game. I've never been a part of a game like that in my life and it was a great experience. And I, I'm really cautious to put those expectations on Tears of the Kingdom, but I just want to experience what it will be like, if it'll be more of that sort of exploratory type of vibe, or will it be something different, like how people say Majora's Mask was very different to Ocarina of Time? I don't know. But I'm very excited to see what it's going to be. I haven't looked at the latest trailer, so it's going to be a nice surprise to me when I... When I finally play it,
0: that's cool. I mean, you're definitely missing out on like the most story-driven one so far. I still don't feel like it's spoilermatic, but I, I can understand you're wanting to not see it when you know that like you're gonna buy and play the damn thing anyway. And yeah, day one—that's a stance that I take with a lot of movies. You know, if I know I'm gonna see something, eh.
1: and if it's story-driven, <laughs> right. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I don't watch the Indiana Jones trailer. I know I'm going to watch it. Right. I, I just don't want to know what it's about. I just want to be pleasantly surprised. Should have watched it, man. Should have watched, watched it. Watched it.
0: <laughs> How about
1: you? What, what What are you Jonesing for? What are Jonesing to play?
0: I am curious about Final Fantasy Sixteen. But mm. I don't know how that's gonna land because it's interesting that it's far more of like an action RPG than the series is known for. Um yep. but obviously like it's intended to be very much a showpiece for what the PS5 can do. So mm. I'm intrigued about it for that reason. Um, I don't know if the story is going to suck me in. Um, I'm awaiting a copy of the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster. Um, because, like, summer to me is such a great time to, like, space out with some JRPGs, especially, as you know, given how hot it gets here. So... I'll probably wind up spending some time with that. Mm-hmm. I'm also eager to play um, Advance Wars Reboot Camp finally. Oh, you never um, played those games? I played the first one on GBA. I did not play the second one, but I also played the hell out of uh, Dual Strike, which I adored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have all three
1: of the games. Uh, I still need to fully play through them, but um, yeah. Advance Wars, I definitely really was intrigued by it and very into it, um, but kind of like Fire Emblem, uh, yeah. it gets to a point where it's, it gets so hard that you kind of like, you kind of get frustrated <laughs> and you kind of right. give up and you kind of like, okay, I'm going to just not play this for a while. <laughs> Yep, and then years go by, and then you finally realize, oh my god!
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've never
1: beaten this game.
0: (laughs) But yeah, like you, I will also be picking up Tears of the Kingdom upon release. Um, You know, I also had a unbelievable experience with Breath of the Wild, and you know, for me, I know there's a lot of folks that are a little bit down on the breath of the wild era of zelda like they want you know they don't like the destructible weapons this that and the other Uh i'm fine with it because i mean for me ultimately breath of the wild was like the fulfillment of the promise that was inherent since the very first zelda game i mean that game barely held your hand if at all you had to really be paying attention to like the clues in the game Um, but it was just basically like "Ah, go where the hell you want to go I mean it really felt like kind of the first super prototypical like sandbox experience so I love seeing Breath of the Wild do that you know even though I know some bemoan the lack of like conventional dungeons you know I absolutely enjoy the beasts um, and so I'm excited to see what Tears of the Kingdom brings to the table to that end
1: yeah I'm also wondering about how they're going to do temples or dungeons right I I hope they at least tweak it a little bit make the dungeons a little bit more lively But
0: yeah I would like them if they were a little more organic and like actually part of the landscape but we'll see what it do yeah Hopefully we'll be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Indeed. Um, But at any rate, it has been fantastic to lay down another episode of Oh God, It Hurts in the can with you, Ed. Always a pleasure, Um, my friend. Indeed, good sir. Um, We'll be back at it very soon, and we thank you again for tuning in. you'd like to check out more of this show and a bunch of other awesomely inspired shows by Our Ruminations Radio Network crew, go to ruminationsradionetwork.com. Goodbye. Goodbye!